at www.survive2thrive.net. That's survive, the number two, thrive.net. We hope you'll find the commentary from our hosts interesting and helpful. Steve Quayle will hopefully be back soon. He's on sabbatical right now. Hawk is sitting in for him on Fridays. Hawk is also doing the show on Thursdays. Steve St. Clair, Darren Craddock, and occasional guests on Wednesdays. Nathan Leal on Tuesdays, and Darren on Mondays. These times are hard for many, and being prepared is becoming more and more important. Our hosts want to keep you informed so that you can achieve optimum health in all areas of your life. With health in mind, this show's sponsor, Enerhealth Botanicals, has added over 40 liquid herbal combinations for all of your ills. They are high quality and give real results. Enerhealth Botanicals is the sole sponsor for this network, providing you not only with information, but also with incredibly effective products designed to bring you to optimum health, your natural state. By supporting Enerhealth, you support this network and your own health. With good health, we all fare better in all the roles we play in life. Go to www.survivetothrive.net and click on the Enerhealth banner on the top right or call them at 866-762-9238. That's 866-762-9238. You can also go to their website at www.enerfood.com. That's E-N-E-R. F as in Frank, O-O-D as in dog, dot com. Many of our listeners are already taking the products that EnerHealth has to offer, and we thank you for that. Their EnerFood product will extend the life of your stored food supplies by one-third, simply by taking one tablespoon a day. When you get the nutrients you need, you tend to eat less, and what is more, it has a two-year shelf life. Also, take a look at their organic cocoa and coffee, as well as their other immune-boosting herbal supplements. There are incredible specials for network listeners, and these are often changing, so be sure to tune in frequently for important information and great prices. We trust that the information our hosts and myself give on this show is truly helpful. We want to help you all to stay healthy and informed, so so that you can better serve your family and community today and in these ever-changing times. Thank you for listening. Well, hello, 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 my friends. You're listening to the Watchman's Cry program here on the Survive to Thrive Network. My name is Nathan Liao, and today is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2011, the year of our Lord. Coming to you live this Tuesday afternoon, my friends. As I look at the calendar, I can see that we are in day three of the month of May. And just two days ago, the world watched a very dramatic announcement, an announcement full of in my opinion, trickery, deceit, because the land of the USA has indeed become the land of Oz. America has melted into the land of lies. The telling of fables is underway right now, folks, from our beloved Kenyan emperor. Project Delusion has commenced on the flat screens of the world. The lamestream media is echoing the fictional stories that have been issued by the propaganda machine. By now, you know what I'm talking about. Just a few nights ago, on Sunday night, I witnessed all of these things. For it was announced that Osama bin Laden had been found living in Pakistan and was killed. In a matter of minutes, 
World News was releasing the story. And it turns out, according to the story, that Mr. Osama bin Laden was found a week ago. Our men in black, the alphabet soup, through the miracle of high technology and loose lips, found out that he was living in a nice house, in a mansion, in a quiet neighborhood in Pakistan. So Obama gave the go-ahead two nights ago on Sunday night to go in there and whack him. And the stories have now come out that his identity was confirmed by DNA. In fact, within hours of this individual being killed, the stories came out that the DNA samples proved that it was him. So they had the evidence. They got their man. Then later on, the report came out that Osama was going to be buried at sea in order to prevent a Muslim shrine. And also one of the reasons was to show respect to Muslim burial rules. So I watched the story unfold. I watched the drama. I watched the theater. And on Sunday night, within minutes of this announcement, there was the gathering of a miracle crowd. People outside of the White House gates were waving flags, chanting, USA, USA. They were popping fireworks. They were excited because the USA had finally got its vengeance, its revenge. So as I watched these people dance and chant, USA, USA, I noticed that most of them looked like college students. A lot of them had flags with them. A lot of the students seemed to be the same age. A lot of the people seemed to have flags that looked the same. And as I watched that charade, folks, my radar was screaming. It was screaming that this was all a lie. It was theater in motion. Because the story of Osama bin Laden's death, the DNA, the burial, this entire episode has so many holes in it. In my humble opinion, I believe that it it lacks basic reasoning and it doesn't pass the test of time-tested methods of gathering evidence, revealing the discovery, and doing everything to convince a jury beyond a reasonable doubt that all of this is true. So I watched this story, folks, and I'm pretty sure by now many, many of you have also been watching it. And you probably were watching it Sunday night, those of you that have TV, those of you that were able to stomach the entire thing. And I was actually eating dinner when my son turned the TV on, and I could I could hear Wolf Blitzer talking about this great thing that had happened. So I finished my dinner, and I stood in front of the TV, and I watched it, shaking my head in disbelief. And I was hearing the reports. I saw the, the students dancing. Folks, it is so pathetic, in my opinion, that the United States of America, our government, has turned into a propaganda machine, giving out false reports, giving out lies. But nevertheless, the majority of Americans believed the story and they celebrated. They high-fived one another. They said, hoo-ah, our military's tough. Look what we're able to do. And I heard people very excited. They began to populate forums and blogs, newspaper reports, TV news. America was once again the nation at the top of the hill, the one not to be messed with, the one carrying the big stick, the one that's very, very proud of their deed to find the bad man, Osama bin Laden. Unfortunately, folks, as I look back at this whole entire matter, and as I stood in front of the TV shaking my head, the biggest reason that I did not believe it was because over the past 10 years, 
ever since the fateful day of 9-11, when the Twin Towers were hit by those planes, most of you, I would say 99 or even higher percentage of you that are listening to this program, you are awake. You're aware of the unanswered questions. We've seen the videos. We've heard the, the stories, the testimonies. We've even seen a lot of proof that the whole recollection, as it is in the history books of 9-11, is a lie. 9-11 did not happen like we were told it happened. The players that were accused to be involved in 9-11, I do not believe they were the players, folks. There are too many unanswered questions, and I do not want to go into the story of 9-11 truth. Most of you know all the, the dangling elements that do not make sense, the unanswered questions. We know about Building 7. We know about the BBC announcing that Building 7 had fallen before it even happened. We've all heard those stories. We know about Silverstein's statements that we decided to pull it. We know all of those things. We know that Osama bin Laden was a CIA asset whenever Russia invaded Afghanistan in the late 80s. Actually, in the early 80s, but through the 80s, Al-Qaeda was a CIA asset. It was the invention of the CIA. We can look back in history and see all of this. Those of you that may be listening to me and saying, what are you talking about, Nathan? This is all found easily in Google, my friends. Osama bin Laden was the creation of our government. He was armed and trained and made wealthy by our government. His family has ties, contracts with our government. So after 9-11, he became the boogeyman. He became the Goldstein of the fictional story of 1984. You know, folks, a police state always needs a bad man, a boogeyman to blame, to keep everybody scared. And that's what Osama bin Laden did. Unfortunately, Osama bin Laden was not the perfect boogeyman because his health was failing. Soon after 9-11, his kidneys were in failure. He needed regular dialysis. In fact, there's a published report that a few months before 9-11, he received some dialysis treatment in one of our military bases in the summer of 9-11, of, of 2001. So anyone that wants to research this can see this. A person on dialysis cannot hide in a cave and commit the greatest crime in the history of man from a laptop hidden in a cave, my friends. It can't be done. Unfortunately, the American public has bought that fable, that tale of fiction, that tall tale that absolutely makes no sense. One of the, the trophies of a terrorist attack according to Muslim beliefs, is after they do an attack, if it's for jihad, if it's for Allah Allah Akbar, they have to take credit for it in order to be chronicled in the, I would assume, the Allah Chronicles. After 9-11, Osama bin Laden said, I did not do it. I had nothing to do with it. Didn't matter, though. The propaganda machine was in force. We needed someone to blame. A few months after 9-11... Reports were starting to come out that he was in failing health. And then a report came out that said he actually died. And I have a report right here that I found on the Internet on the servers of Fox News, my friends. So if you want to get a hold of this report, I would advise you to maybe grab it as soon as possible because Fox News might be dumping it off of their servers. But this report was published on December the 26, 2001. And the name of it is, this is the title of it, so if you're in Google, type in Fox News, report bin Laden already dead. Osama bin Laden has died a peaceful death due to an untreated lung complication, the Pakistan Observer reported, citing 
a Taliban leader who allegedly attended the funeral of the al-Qaeda leader. The coalition troops are engaged in a mad search operation, but that would never be able to fulfill their cherished goal of getting Osama alive or dead, the source said. Bin Laden, according to the source, was suffering from a serious lung complication and succumbed to the disease in mid-December in the vicinity of the Tora Bora Mountains. The source claimed that Bin Laden was laid to rest honorably at his last abode and his grave was made as per his Wahhabi belief. About 30 close associates of Bin Laden in Al-Qaeda, including his most trusted and personal bodyguards, his family members, and some Taliban friends attended the funeral rites. A volley of bullets were fired to pay final tribute. Story goes on and talks about this death. Fox News has it on their website. Now, is this story true? I don't know. But it's on Fox News' website. How many of you have heard Fox News get into their archives and pull this out and talk about this? Oh, folks, we know that the White House is reporting that bin Laden has been killed. But according to our investigative interns who like to scroll through all the tabs of archived news that we have in our basement, we found this story that Osama bin Laden has been dead for 10 years. So, huh. I think maybe we need to question the White House's version of history in the last three days. Did you hear that on the news, folks? I didn't. So Fox News, the voice of the fair and balanced talking heads, is failing right now. In addition to that story, there have been many other rumored stories that Osama bin Laden has been dead for a few years. Banazir Bhutto, the prime minister of Pakistan, you folks remember her? In 2007, she was assassinated. She was killed on December the 27th. Do you remember that? Just a few days after Christmas. Well, here's the interesting thing about Miss Bhutto, who was murdered in Pakistan. One month before she was murdered, she was interviewed by David Frost on November the 7th, 2007. And in that program, she said that Osama bin Laden had been murdered by an individual just a few years previous. I want to go ahead and play that video for you from Prime Minister Bhutto. Listen to this, folks. And uh, in terms of these three people that uh, you mentioned, um, were they were they members of or associated with the government? Yes. Well, one of them is um, a very key figure in security. He's a former military officer. He's someone that um, has had dealings with. Um, Jaish Muhammad, one of the banned groups with Maulana Azhar, who was in an Indian jail for decapitating three British uh, tourists and three American tourists. And uh, he also had dealings with uh, Omar Sheikh, the man who murdered uh, Osama bin Laden. Well, there you go. She said it. She talked about it. Did she make a mistake? Was it a, a Freudian slip? I don't think so. A prime minister of Pakistan, a head of state, a political leader. Now, again, on Sunday night when we were told by the White House about this great achievement of our military, I did not hear CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, or any of those other line shields say anything about what Bhutto said a few years ago. Why is that? What happened to the skills and the unbiased desire and passion and commitment to investigative reporting that journalism should have? What happened to that, folks? I don't understand. America claims to be the land of the free, the home of the brave. Unfortunately, bravery no longer exists in our occupation of journalism, does it, folks? So the White House 
released the, the story. Obama got on TV, and he told us what he did during his watch. He watched Osama bin Laden killed. Did they take pictures of his body? They say they did. Did they film it? They say they did. Have they released the pictures? No. Over the last several hours, they have started hinting that they might release pictures to calm those that are in the category of conspiracy theory, but we don't know what they're going to do because just a few hours ago, the White House had another press conference, and now they're weighing whether to release the photos, folks. Now, why is that? Because the photos of a dead Osama bin Laden with his brain blasted all over the place could be inflammatory to Muslims. So political correctness exists even with the most notorious evil killer, murderer to ever face off against the United States of America. But apparently the feelings of the Muslims, of the Islamic radicals, the murderers, the terrorists match her to the White House. We don't want to inflame them. Listen to this, folks. And lastly, um, the previous administration did release photographs of high-value uh, targets. Uh, and Kusay Hussein is just one, that's just two examples. Um, what would hold you back from, from doing it? The, the, it seemed to have gone off relatively without a hitch, as far as I know. Why would you not release a photograph of them? Well, I'll be candid that there are sensitivities here uh, in terms of the uh, appropriateness of releasing photographs of uh, of Osama bin Laden and, and, and in the aftermath of this firefight, and, and we're making an evaluation about the need to do that uh, because of the sensitivities involved. And, and we do... We, we review this information and, and, and make this decision with the same calculation as we do so many things, which is what, uh, you know, what we're trying to accomplish and, and does it uh, serve or in any way harm our, our, our interests, and, and that uh, is not just domestic but globally. Can you explain sensitivities? Did you speak because it's a gruesome photograph? That, that, it's that fair to say that it's a gruesome photograph. That could be inflammatory? That's a sensitivity? You're it is, it is uh, certainly possible that, that uh, and this is an issue that we uh, uh, are taking into consideration, is that it could be inflammatory. So now we don't know if we're going to get the pictures. But the questions that I have, folks, I have many of them. One of them starts with this. Did they even do an autopsy to this supposed Osama dead body? Did they look at his kidneys? Did they see if they fit the, the profile of Osama bin Laden's ailments? Did they do that? Or did they wrap his body in a sheet and it's been dumped into the ocean, never to be seen from again? Folks, this story is very, very, very mysterious. And I don't know if we'll ever get a true answer now. America acts tough, and then we jump through the Islamic hoops. But if this madman that was supposedly killed was Osama bin Laden, what does it matter if his body gets buried within 24 hours? Folks, does it really matter? Well, we don't want to inflame them. We don't want to anger them. Now, why would they be concerned about that? And this is the next thing that I want to talk about right here, folks. This story is in development. There are so so many angles. There are going to be so many ramifications. It's going to play a very, very pivotal role in our future. I really believe that, folks. Now, of course, I could see some people giving the rebuttal to me and saying, you know, Nathan, I have a friend who is one of those, those SEALs, whoever they were that went in there, and he told me he saw the body. He pulled the trigger. He took the picture. 
It's on his cell phone, but he can never release it. But he told me it was him. So there you go, Nathan. It really happened. It's true. Well, you know, folks, there are many ways to solve that one. There are a lot of lookalikes. By now, Osama bin Laden was 10 years older, and if he was sickly, he looked different. But even before then, there are lookalikes. There's other Islamic-looking people that are tall with beards. He's not the only one. Was his body on ice? And then they used that. The pictures that we're going to see, are they pictures of, of a dead bin Laden that were taken years ago? Was he shot years ago and then put on ice? And that's the photograph that we have. Folks, there are so, so many unanswered questions. This thing is not just a one-two punch of truth. And you know, the thing that's really, really disappointing right now is the blind patriotism that I'm now witnessing and observing. You know, folks, at what point do Americans really get it? The Americans that believe everything that's told to them. How pathetic is it? Embarrassing? How bad is it that right-wing, Republican, patriotic, well-meaning, quote-unquote, Rush Limbaugh, quote-unquote, Fox News-loving, quote-unquote, Christian neocons, how embarrassing is it that these people believe Donald Trump in his story against Obama in the birth certificate? The birth certificate's a lie. We've seen that. We saw the fake downloaded birth certificate that we can get from the White House. It opens up in Adobe Illustrator. It has layers. The thing is not a JPEG. It's a fraud. So all of these well-meaning Christian, Republican, patriotic ones all gather together and say, Obama's a liar. He's not a real American citizen. I don't trust him. He's a bad man. He's allowing gays in the military. He's doing Obamacare. He's doing these bad mandates, this bad legislation. And then all of a sudden, Obama makes a phone call, and now all of a sudden America has been restored. All of our nobility has once again been restored. They forget all of the arguments and the disappointments they had with their candidate in the White House. Hoo-ah, rah-rah, USA. Folks, I have said this many, many times on this program. Patriotism can be a religion. And patriotism can blind a person. Patriotism, unfortunately, when it has to come, when it has to do with the military and an AR-15 gun, you dress up some boy that's 19 years old in a cool-looking stormtrooper outfit, and you have him whack someone, and all of a sudden America has been restored as the blessed nation that God is very proud of. You know what, folks? I don't think so. And by witnessing this embarrassing reaction from many Christians, I must say this, folks, that shows how much trouble we are in right now. Because this reveals that even though these Christians go to church and they'll listen to a sermon, they'll listen to a man get behind a pulpit, quote the words from a book from another dimension, a spiritual dimension, and they claim to believe in that other dimension and want to live according to the dictates of the other dimension. When it comes to the military, they throw that dimension out the window their spiritual goggles get thrown off of them, and they just start cheering. And what that reveals, my friends, is that there is a pseudo-version, a fake version of Christianity over America right now. There is a version of Christianity that is not from the hearts of people. It's in their head. It's in their intellect. It's what they have printed in a card in their wallets. But it's not from their hearts. And because it's not from their hearts, they have the tendency to trust in chariots, and in the arm of the flesh, which is what we are seeing right now. Rejoicing in a dead man, folks, whether or not, I want to say this for the record, I don't trust this story. 
But if the story turns out to be true, it doesn't change anything. It does not change the course that this nation is headed toward. It doesn't change that the judgment train is approaching this nation and is arriving right now and is peeling this nation and plowing over this nation. It doesn't change the disappointing acts of the residents and citizens of this nation. It doesn't change the record of disobedience. It doesn't change the blood upon how many hundreds of thousands of people. It doesn't change the blood that is flowing under the ground from abortion clinics to water treatment plants. It doesn't change any of that, folks. It doesn't change the lies and the deception. It doesn't change that many, many spiritual leaders have turned Jesus into a Santa Claus. It changes none of that. And because it doesn't change any of that, we are still in a pickle, my friends. We are still in a predicament. We are still in a situation that we must prepare for. After the break, I am going to talk about the predicament that we're in, folks. It's not a good picture. We'll be right back. Don't go away. We're going back to uh, the Health Ranger, and uh, one of my sales guys pointed this out. They go, you know, the Health Ranger really loves Interfood, and it won their best superfood 2009. And so, uh, you know, ask him what he thinks about it, but I'm putting him on the spot here. But I remember about five years ago, I got some of this sent to me, and I was so busy, I didn't even call them back because they, they wanted to be sponsors. Uh, but uh, years later, we came back. My wife loves it. It's two little scoops in the morning in water or juice. You drink it, and it's 20 superfoods. At once, and that way you absorb almost all of it. Even with the best vitamins and minerals, a lot of it gets passed through you. And, and you've got a lot of specials there on the site for Alex Jones listeners. Interfood.com or 866-762-9238, 866-762-9238, interfood.com. Uh, and uh, give us your brief take on Interfood. I did give it an award, an Editor's Choice Award. It's, it's the real thing. Not only is the, the product really great, but the company's great. The people there are great. They get it. You know, they understand nutrition. They understand what's happening with the world, and they want you to be nutritionally prepared. And I mean, that's the bottom line with this product. It's, it's, I use it. Well, I know my wife gets upset when she runs out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really that good. Yeah, she's a lot more health-conscious than I am. I mean, I try to be, I mean, compared to the average American, I guess I'm okay, but I, I do have a lot of bad habits. But uh, I noticed that... When I first started taking it, I mean, it was almost like a drug or something. I mean, there's no speed, no caffeine in it, but it's almost like jolting to have real nutrients. It makes you alert without any kind of caffeine type of buzz. It, no stimulants whatsoever. It just basically clears out your system, and, and it, it makes your brain and body function better. You know, I mean, superfoods are really powerful for doing that, and, and with Interfood, he's combined a lot, of, a lot of the best ones in the world. Uh, I don't give out a lot of awards. You probably know that. Um, and the key is they don't pasteurize it either, so it doesn't lose the... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you've got the nutrients that are destroyed by heat. In inner food, they're not destroyed. They're intact. And that makes all the difference. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> 
Welcome back, folks. Nathan Liao here. The website is watchmanscry.com. Today is May the 3rd, 2011. And before the break, I was talking about my disbelief with this whole Osama bin Laden episode. Folks, I do not believe this story. I don't. Most of you do not believe it either. Of course, there's possibly a chance that there are some of you saying, why don't you believe it, Nathan? Why do you have to doubt? Why do you have to ruin the party? Well, folks, you will know them by their fruits, is what the Bible says. When someone gives a pattern of behavior, you can know them by their fruits. When you see the way that someone responds constantly, over and over, you'll know them by their fruits. Mr. Barry Sutero, Hussein Obama, has shown his fruits as somebody that tells fallacies. If we were living in a fairy tale right now, his nose should be very, very long right now. But he's not Pinocchio. He's the president. So we're supposed to believe him. But I don't. I'm sorry. You know, folks, it says in the book of Revelation that at some point in the future, mankind will witness the final beast empire rise up out of the sea and take over the world. This beast empire that's going to rise up will be ruthless, conniving, deceitful, heartless, crafty, wicked, and very dark. And this beast system is going to be the political system at the end of time. It's going to consist of ten regions. We've talked about that before. And I believe that that's in fulfillment as we speak because the European Union is one of the regions. We're going to have the North American Union eventually. And we've talked about that. I don't want to digress. But this end-time beast empire is going to be evil. They're going to kill Christians. Behead Christians. Tell Christians to renounce their faith in God and Jesus. So they're not to be trusted. That means that any of the political leaders during the time of the end will be liars. It means that whatever they say is a lie. Whatever comes out of their mouth will be wrong. It will be a fallacy, a fable. If we're in the end times, and if most of you believe that we're in the end times, and if some of you may be neocon patriotic Americans, and if you are, God bless you, but if you are, think about this, my friend. The government is going to become a bunch of liars at some point in the future. And if we are watching end-time prophecy happen now, then may I submit to you that the lies have already begun and the lies that you are being told have begun? Therefore, scratch your head and ask some questions, my friends. Don't be one of the blind ones that swallows up the lies that are going to engulf the population at the end of time. Now, as I was saying before the break, I believe that this death of this supposed Osama bin Laden, and let's just, for the sake of, of reason, let's just say it's him. They killed Osama bin Laden, so as far as the Muslims are concerned, we whacked him. We hurt their guy. So what does that do to him? What does that turn him into? It turns him into a martyr. It turns him into someone that is held in high esteem, and it's going to also create a whole new equation where they're going to want vengeance. The Islamic radicals of the world are going to want revenge, my friends. God's going to allow this to play out. We know at the end of time there are going to be nations rising against nations. Wars, rumors of war. We're going to see the Muslims fight the West. We're going to see the West fight the Muslims. It's all in there in the book, my friends. So what's going to get this party started? Well, may I submit to you that there's a very, very high possibility that this event is going to start that quote-unquote 
party of blood? So as this judgment continues in the world, my friends, keep this in mind. Judgment means bad news reports. As judgment plays out at the end of time and the events happen, there will be headlines of those events. But as the headlines are reported, as the humans with the pins in their hands are writing down the recollections of the story, they are not going to include the spiritual part of the episode. They're not going to say, we just witnessed another part of judgment in America, in Australia, in New Zealand, in Japan, in Europe, in South America. They're not going to say that, folks. So it is up to you to have the spiritual eyes and ears, to have the spiritual lens, to be able to discern that the events happening across the land in this season right now are the judgment of God. Many times the judgment of God includes human agents that are used to carry out the judgment. When Israel was invaded by Babylon as God's judgment, Jeremiah prophesied for decades it was coming. The judgment's coming. They resisted. They denied it. They mocked it. They scoffed it. Finally, it arrived. And how did the judgment arrive, my friends? What was the face of the judgment? It was the face of the Chaldeans outside the gates of Jerusalem, parked out there, camped outside the gates, and they starved them out. They allowed them to run out of water, to run out of food, out of fuel. They starved them out. So the tool of judgment in the episode of Jerusalem being taken over was Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was used in the judgment. Why am I saying that? I'm saying it because judgment does use humans, my friends. So this whole story with Osama bin Laden is going to include angry humans who have who are of the Islamic, the radical Islamic faith, who want to do harm to those that hurt their little martyr. America killed the bad man. They rejoiced in the armed forces. They celebrated their strength in the arm of man. And now we have a new chapter. Now, is the chapter going to be stopped because we killed Osama bin Laden? As I was saying before the break, it did not stop abortion. It has not stopped infanticide. It has not changed the mandates of gay marriage that are taking over this country. It has not changed the rule and the decision to allow sissy homos to be in our military and to have sensitivity training so that you don't call them names or have a problem with it. Those of you that are in the military that don't like it, that's too bad. You need sensitivity training. You're a homophobe. You have hate. Don't you know you need to be homo-indoctrinated to accept the darkness that's taking over this world? Folks, surely you know I'm being sarcastic right now, but that's where we're at. So just because he's dead has not changed this pathetic outcome and the continuation of the darkness sliding America's morality into the mire into a vapor, gone in the whisk of a cloud, like a candle, blown out. America's morality is now gone into the wind. The morality of of America is now a memory in the hearts of some. Mr. Obama Sotero has been proven to be illegitimate as the president, but it doesn't matter because the people like their lies. So we have an imposter in the White House that killed the bad man. So I ask this question, does that mean we can leave Afghanistan now? After all, that's the reason we went in there, to find him. Where we leave, folks? Is the war on terror solved? No, it's not. How many of you can remember the campaign promise that Mr. Sotero said when he was running for office? He said if he is elected president, he'll bring the troops home. Our boys will come home from Iraq. 
They'll leave Afghanistan. It hasn't happened, has it, folks? And now that there is no longer a reason for us to be in Afghanistan, just watch now. Watch as the war continues to linger. And now it's going to be expanded. Because we had Iraq, Afghanistan, and now we're in Libya. He signed an executive order just a few days ago of sanctions against Syria. So soon we're going to be in Syria. And now that Pakistan has the shame on you accusation, Pakistan, why didn't you tell us he was living in your country? You could have got the $25 million reward. Why didn't you tell us? We had to go there and find him ourselves. Shame on you, Pakistan. But because you didn't tell us, prepare for us now to do some bad things to you. Prepare for our boys to put boots in the ground in Pakistan. Is that in our future, my friends? Is that the other lie that's going to be coming? So getting back to the pivotal moment of Osama bin Laden being killed. Folks, I believe that it's very, very pivotal because now that he's been killed, they, when I say they, I mean Al-Qaeda, put out a news report on the 25th of April last month, so just a little over a week ago, barely, that stated, if Osama bin Laden is captured or killed, we are going to bring a hellfire storm to the West. The particular story that I saw said that they're going to do a nuclear firestorm to London. They're going to explode nukes in London at Heathrow Airport. And I believe they also hinted that they would also do this in other parts of the world. And I would also say that's going to be happening in the United States of America. This whole episode, folks, when you look at it piece by piece, when you dismantle it and look at each variable, is pointing to only one thing. And that's why I am very, very concerned right now. This whole episode is is putting all the pieces for a new terrorist attack, a false flag terrorist attack. May I say it that way? The pieces are probably already where they're supposed to be. Al-Qaeda has said they're going to do a nuclear suitcase attack, or how are they going to pull that one off? I don't know, but the rumors have already been stated over the last few years that there are suitcase nukes in America already. So all they need is the go-ahead. The rogue elements within the New World Order just need the go-ahead. So which day are they going to do this on, folks? When is it going to happen? Are we going to wake up one morning at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock and it's going to be across the news? I think so. I really, really believe that we have entered a new chapter of judgment and it's going to play out, folks. There's been too many warnings. There have been too many rumors. There have been too many individuals, including many of you, that have had visions, prophetic dreams, words from God, prophecy. We've heard the voices out there trying to warn that these things were coming. Those of you that have listened to this program long enough, you've heard me talk about the visions that I have had, the prophetic dreams that I have had. If you're not familiar with this ministry, if you're a new listener, go to watchmanscry.com and, and I have them on there. Folks, we are at the very forefront of a new chapter that's going to be very, very sad. Now, last week on this program, I spent some time talking about the time of sorrow. I spent time talking about agonizing grief, sadness. Folks, it's really on my heart. It's weighing on my spirit heavily that death is approaching the land. Death is approaching America. It's approaching the West. Death is approaching all over the world. And we have to get ready. We have to get close to God. 
We have to get close to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to get our spiritual life and hearts in order so that we can be protected by Him. Or, if unfortunately some of us find ourselves a statistic, and even worse, in a body bag, folks, it's time to get our houses in order. We are in a new chapter. Now, there were several months ago that I talked about a prophetic vision that I had, and it was in a dream where I saw black clouds come over the land. They were very, very black, and they started to drip blackness that looked like black molasses. Hundreds of drips were coming out of the clouds, and as they hit the ground, they turned into black tornadoes. And there were hundreds and hundreds of tornadoes going across the ground in all directions. I've talked about this many, many times, folks. And after I had that prophetic dream and spent some time with God asking him what did it mean, He explained that it meant darkness is coming to the land. And I've also talked about that. You can go to the archives at watchmanscry.com, go to the audio page, and you can hear the programs there where I talk about it. The darkness is going to be played out in several ways. But one of the ways that I stated it was going to be played out was evil was going to be released upon the land. It was going to be loosed upon the land. Dark stories, dark episodes, humans with darkness inside of them. Demonic, demon-possessed people would be allowed to do bad things to their neighbors. And also included in that, we're going to see darkness. You know, the actual vision had black tornadoes all around the land. And folks, I don't have to remind any of us that we're seeing tornadoes now. Record tornadoes across America. Record tornadoes that have created havoc across the land. Great destruction. That's part of the judgment, folks. And I know that... There are some individuals that get angry with me. And they say, Nathan blames bad weather on judgment. Doesn't he know that he's wrong? Well, that's true, folks. There is thunder. There's rain. There's snow and blizzards. This is a fallen world. So there are just regular episodes of nature. But God also uses nature for his judgment. We are in the season of judgment. When I gave the prophecy... On April the 18th, 2008, that judgment had begun across the United States. That's found on my website also. It says, a tempest of deadly storms, famine, earthquakes, poison water. All of that is on record. Bad weather will be used for judgment. Now, the sad part of what I'm saying right now, and the thing about what I'm saying right now, is that if someone finds themselves a victim of bad weather, and then they hear someone say, it's judgment, there's a tendency to get angry. How dare you say that this tornado that came through my neighborhood was God's judgment? Don't you know it killed my neighbor? He was a good man. We had block parties. We had barbecues together. He was a good man. He was a father. My friends, I'm sorry that you knew some people that might have died. And I'm sorry that you do not like hearing that judgment is here. But that's what the truth is. And that's what I, as a voice, as a messenger of God, am commanded to say by God. Judgment has begun, my friends. It's going to peel the land. It's going to plow over this land. It's going to create havoc over this land. And for years, I have stated so. For years, I have said, get your hearts right with God because tears are coming to families that you may know. Tears may visit your household. The judgment is going to go up and down the streets of America. The judgment is going to walk up and down the streets of America. It's going to go up the sidewalks. It's going to walk past houses. It's going to walk past your house. And when it goes past your house, will it stop and make a visitation at your house, my friend? Or will it continue? Will it go on to the next house? Because 
you are dwelling in the secret place of God. Because you are totally submitted to God. And you have answered the heart's cry of God from the Holy Spirit to get your house in order. You have submitted your heart to God. You have cleaned up your house. You've cleaned up your act. You've repented. And you've cried out to God for mercy and asked God to shelter you under the covering of His wings. My friends, we are beyond political correctness when it comes to judgment. We are there, my friends. I was speaking to a person who witnessed the tornadoes in in the south a few days ago. I spoke to him on the phone, and he told me his house was saved. He was living in a mobile home, in a mobile home park. But just a, a few blocks away, whole houses were destroyed. Whole houses exploded. The neighborhoods were demolished and destroyed. It was a hard thing to see. And he said when that tornado came over his neighborhood, he said that at that moment, God revealed something to him. At that moment, it didn't matter how much things he had in his bug out bag. It didn't matter how much silver he had or gold or stored food or bullets or guns or butter. The only thing that mattered when the whirlwind was over his house was his hope and his faith in God. That was it, my friends. That's the situation that we're in right now. And neighborhood by neighborhood. County by county, state by state, region by region, and country by country. The judgment of God is going to visit all of us. And when it does, my friends, where will your hope be? Where will your faith be? My friend Ron said that after the tornado visited and destroyed everything, he said that people, they were scattered, they were confused, they were in shock. And he saw that at stores... The stores were wiped out, the ones that were open. People wanted gas. They wanted to get to the ATMs to get money. But most of the places that had any resources left were wiped out. It didn't take long, but it happened very quickly. Batteries, candles, propane, everything was gone. You couldn't rent a generator. The motels were full. For those that had food in their freezer, they tried to get ice because the power was out. And I believe in the South there are still many Hundreds of thousands of people, probably even in the millions, are without electricity. So if they didn't have a generator, their food is rotting in the fridge or rotting in the freezer. There's no Internet. There's no phones. And I have a few stories here about the tornado that has been visiting the south. And I want to mention some of the catastrophe, just how hard it really is to face this. I got one story right here. It says, in a small town, the tornado took all there was. Wednesday's storm killed 18 people in Hackleburg. Three of them mangled so badly, they still can't be identified. The schools are gone, and so is the doctor's office, the grocery store, and much of the little town's infrastructure. The tornado that destroyed Hackleburg attacked the little town's first line of defense. It leveled the town's tiny police station and crushed the police cruiser of Officer Jeremy Marbutt, who emerged unscathed after taking cover in the Old Town Jail, built of steel and concrete. It destroyed the fire station and blew away the roof of the town hall, where 69-year-old Mayor Douglas Gunnan survived to continue serving the town's 1,500 constituents. Then it flattened the Piggly Wiggly, the only grocery store, but it spared manager Dennis Whitfield, who hid under a produce rack. It crushed the massive 
Wrangler Denim Factory, Hackerberg's biggest employer. A dozen workers on the second shift escaped unhurt, but Linda Knight, the office supervisor, was killed by a falling roof beam. It tore through Gracie's Diner, the town's main restaurant. It ripped apart the new $3 million Church of God of Prophecy, built just last year, and for good measure, pummeled the church's former building across the street. It took down the offices of the town's only doctor, the only pharmacist, along with the only merchandise outlet in town, the dollar store. It wiped out the town's grade school and high school, home of the Panthers. Folks, everything came to an end in this town last Wednesday. And all the tornado that struck Wednesday killed 18 people, injured hundreds, and left almost nothing standing. It's like the photos you see of Hiroshima after the atomic bomb. It wiped out everything, said the city councilman James Anglin, who was born in 1943, the year another April tornado leveled the northwest Alabama town. Randy Jackson, the Marion County coroner, has spent the last three days dealing with the dead. He stood in the devastated town center Saturday, sweating in a blue shirt and tie, and he tried to describe what a tornado can do to human beings. As an old country boy, I'd say they had trauma from head to toe, he said. The injuries were massive, just massive blunt trauma. Three victims were so badly mangled that they have not been identified. Some were thrown hundreds of yards. The dead ranged in age from 32 to 92. Wow, my friends, the great whirlwind of judgment has begun to peel the land. And who can stand against the mighty God when he has determined that the cup of inequity is full and that the land must pay for its deeds? Nathan, this is not fair. Folks, I am not God. I am not the one who weighs the lives in the balance. I am not the one who knows every secret behind the scenes. I am not the one keeping track of the laws, of the scorecard, of sowing and reaping. God does, and God is. He's the great I am, folks. That's why we need His mercy. That's why we need His blood covering the multitude of our sins. And as I read the stories of the tornadoes in the south, it's horrible, my friends. It's sad. I admit it. It's sad. And I have no answers for who survives. I cannot answer why at times it seems like a righteous man will not survive and a wicked man will. I don't know. But God is the one keeping score. God is the one that is working on hearts. So, folks, our job is to respond to what God is doing. Not in anger and humbleness. I have another story here from Alabama, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says emergency buildings are wiped out. Bodies are stored in refrigerated trucks. Authorities are begging for such basics as flashlights. In one neighborhood, the storms even left firefighters to work without a truck. The death toll from Wednesday's storms reached 329 across seven states. And I believe that number is even higher now, including 238 in Alabama, making it the deadliest U.S. tornado outbreak since March 1932 when another Alabama storm killed 332 people. Tornadoes that swept across the South and Midwest in April 74 left 315. So this storm has killed more than that terrible storm in the mid-70s. Now, folks, I just had a thought. The deadliest tornado outbreak 
Before this one was in 1932 in America. Now, over a year ago, I did a program, and you can go to Watchman's Cry and, and listen to it in the archives, where I broke down the elements of the first Great Depression from 1929 through 1941. And I really believe that the first Great Depression was also a judgment on America. It was a judgment. It was harvest time for the stains and the sins that America had committed in her past. Now, which sins were they for? I don't know. But when you look in the book of Ezekiel and it talks about the fourfold judgment, it says that God judges through famine, through pestilence, disease, through the sword, through war, and through through beasts. When we look at the First Depression, we saw elements of the judgment at that time. We saw famine. We saw the stock market crash. We saw economic hardship for millions and millions of people, a high unemployment rate. We saw the Dust Bowl also happen in the early 30s, a drought that turned many states into a desolate wasteland where sand took over farms. The topsoil was gone. And also during that season, we saw dust pneumonia where millions of people got sick from the dust storms. There's probably no way of knowing how many died of dust pneumonia, but that was a plague that also visited America. And now, as I'm reading this story, it says in March of 1932, the United States had its deadliest tornado outbreak. Also during the Dust Bowl, also during the Great Depression. And now here we are. Let's move forward, folks. We are in another depression right now. We're seeing famine. We're seeing storms. We're seeing floodings. We're seeing drought. We're seeing crop failure. We're seeing poison water, radiation poisoning, the Gulf oil spill. We have war. Folks, history is repeating itself. And for those that have the eyes to see, it is so obvious that we're in judgment. My job's not to convince you, though, my friends. That can only happen by the Holy Spirit. That can only happen by a willing heart. My job is only to give the message, to be a voice. That's it. But I hope that many are listening, that many are challenged, and that many turn from their wicked ways. I find it very disappointing that the looters, at the time of great distress, at the time when they really, really need the help of God the most, would decide to rob houses, to steal from houses. The story that I was just reading says, continuing on the story, it says, By Friday, residents whose homes were blown to pieces were seeing their losses worsen, not by nature, get this, folks, but by man. In Tuscaloosa and other cities, looters have been picking through the wreckage to steal what little the victims have left. The first night they took my jewelry, my watch, and my guns, said Shirley Long, Friday. They were out here again last night, doing it again. Overwhelmed Tuscaloosa police imposed a curfew and got help from the National Guard troops to try to stop the scavenging. So there you go, folks. I talk about the beast judgment as part of the fourfold. That's the evil ones coming out of the woodwork. That's those that have no morals, no values, no conscience coming out to take advantage of their neighbors, of the weaker ones, of those that they think can be an easy prey. And they turn themselves into pirates and bandits. And unfortunately, they also seal the deal. They seal their record in the Chronicle of God. They seal the recording and the story of their own life. That during the time when they should have been calling out to God, they instead became ruthless and heartless and a son of the devil, a Belial. 
Folks, what has happened in the South right now is a part of God's judgment. It is now in play. It's happening. I'm sorry that it sounds bad to hear this. I'm sorry that it stings. But this is it, folks. It's time for us to get a renewal with God. It is time for us to know the terror of the Lord and also to know the hope and the loving kindness of the Lord. Folks, in the last remaining minutes that I have, the countdown has begun. The window of preparation is closing. More events are approaching. More storms are approaching. More fires are approaching. And there's going to be bad people that are going to be approaching. After these storms, there were thousands of people looting all over the south, looting houses, looting the Wrangler plant down in Alabama. You know, folks, I I saw the Japanese people standing in line patiently. But here in America, the land of the free, the land of Christianity, they loot the minute they can, the minute the lights turn off. So here's the big challenge I have for you. As the window of preparation is closing, where are you going to be living when the judgment visits your town? God has been prompting some of you guys to leave your city. It's time to do it now, my friends. It's time to back up the truck. It's time to liquidate. It's time to get this thing in order. Get the plan going, my friends. Seek God in prayer. Find out what His will is for your life. It's time, my friends. Don't procrastinate. Some of you in the cities, it's probably too late for you. But as we look at the story of the tornadoes, as we look at the flooding in the Midwest, the crop failure, folks, this thing is just getting started. Folks, I have so many more challenges to bring. I'm almost finished with my next sermon, sermon number 162. It's about to come out, so those of you that want to be notified when it comes out, go to my website at watchmanscry.com. I'm going to be talking a lot more about all of these things, and I'm also going to have a very, very strong spiritual challenge. My friends, please get your houses in order. Please get rid of the parts of your life that you know are not pleasing to God. We're there, folks. Real quick, I want to say this program is supported by by people like you. Our address is Watchman's Cry, P.O. Box 157, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. My friends, stay safe. Stay vigilant. Visit my website for more information. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.